<laughs> so you could help me with the PowerPoint that I have. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, it's such a, a joy to be here with you all. Some of you good friends, some of you enemies. <laughs> um, but I love you anyway. That's what Jesus does. Um, so yeah, I, weird thing, I think I wanted to just start with um, my journey into writing worship songs, which has been kind of um, sort of accidental in a way. Um, but I remember my sister being a Christian, dragging me to her church, and I think she always played guitar. I was just like, these songs are rubbish. You should like write some songs that are kind of good. And like the sort of stuff that we look like, you know, that we like listen to. And she was like, I was like, I can help you if you want. And she was like, well, but you're not a Christian, so what's the point of doing that? I was like, okay, fine. And then uh, later on when I did become a Christian, um, I ended up in the church with Jimmy so and Sam. So the church that uh, Chris and Fliss planted with their little family in the Albans. And um, they had a little rock band on stage, and Jimmy was kind of behind a screen, which didn't help at all, <laughs> and is morally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think he was 15, I was 19, you would have been like 14 or something, probably. How old are you now? You don't even know. He's so old. But he looked like he was in Hanson. Jimmy, he didn't have purple hair at that time, but if I say he did, it's a better story. Um, and uh, there was a guy leading worship called Graham Ward, who led on an electric guitar and had a Fender bass man, Anne, which was pretty sweet, blonde one. And uh, they said to me, oh, well, because they found out I was a guitar player. And he said, well, hang around for a while, and then, you know, three months or so, settle in, and then we'd love you to play. So I started playing, I think it was every other week or something. We'd get up, I think we had two, they, they tried me on the sound desk first, which was just, I kept putting echo on everything. And they were like, we don't want echo. And I was like, you do. So if you don't want to do the sound, that's what you do. Put echo on everything. Um, it's like making a bad meal, isn't it? You never get asked again. Um, so Graham Ward, uh, amazing guy, just a real encourager, and uh, encouraged us to. There's a few people probably writing songs in the church. A guy called Toby Deans. Uh, I'm not sure who else, but um, I can remember one day. So Graham, I think, was around for three years or something before he went to Canada. And I can remember him preaching in the church. And we were in the school hall, there's probably like 120 people there. And he said, there's people in this room who are gonna write songs that go all around the world and bless the nations. Okay, and I'm just like, really? You know, like, sort of looking around thinking. Um, and amazingly, that has happened. So, that was before um, there was Vineyard Music UK or anything like that. And we didn't really have, we didn't really know what was going on, you know, sort of 
as far as there being a, like an industry or a, a network that was going all around the world where we were just turning up to this little place and um, experiencing God, you know. And uh, I think Chris Samstad was just had such an amazing vision for worship. And uh, I was talking about this with someone earlier today. It was like when we did our burn service thing. He would say to us, I want you to do spontaneous stuff. I want you to do stuff that's not songs, you know. Whether it's playing, I want you to push out, you know. Just do whatever. It doesn't matter if it goes wrong. You know, just this is the place to go for it. And it was really chaotic and messy and crazy at times, but there was some beautiful songs burst out of that spontaneity and having that sort of environment to be, to grow in, be nurtured in. So um, when I think about my journey, I think about people. So I think about Graham Ord, I think about Chris Lane, and I think about Brian Dirksen. And probably when Brian Dirksen came, he's the one who sort of, God used to really, encourage us to to really go for it in writing worship songs for the church and it was just an amazing time to be around these people who are you know if you still left around um, who were writing these amazing songs and were being pushed to to take those songs am I right take those songs to another level and to hone those songs and to to think about what we were writing and why we were writing it and um, we were really mentored in that by Brian, and I think he was only in the UK for two years. Is that right? It was not, not very long, considering what, what happened <laughs> and what was sort of released. Um, so we were just privileged to be, you know, sort of caught up in this thing that happened, um, where songs were recorded, songs were written, and then songs flew, you know flew around the world and we were not aware really, I don't think any of us, of what was going on um, but I just remember being at the first, uh, coming out of time, the recording for the album and all of a sudden people came in the room and the place was full and it was just like, oh, you know, this is happening, this is going to happen tonight, we're going to do this recording and you know, um, the presence of God was so tangible, that especially those first two live recordings, Hungry and Coming Out of Time, and um, just such a special time, and one that I cherish so much. You know, just Brian's a very sort of quiet, quiet guy, and a lot of us were kind of extroverts and, you know, a bit mad. And like, a lot of laughter, a lot of fun, a lot of crying, especially when Catherine Scott's playing her songs on the piano. You know, you just get absolutely undone by the love of God or whatever it was. And such special times, like laughing until you're just hurting, you know. So good times, good times. He had such a gentle way. And I think that one of the things he really brought was... Um, he believed in songs as a means of grace, you know, as a means of, he would say to us, just sing a song, 
The song in itself does a job. It's designed to, to do a job, to inspire worship. And so when we think about that as, as songwriters, it's like, wow, what a responsibility that someone is going to take that and, and let that do its, do its job. So um, another person would be Jeremy. Um, Jeremy Cook was in Solomon's Vineyard, went up to Hull. You probably all know who he is. But I can remember him just, uh, and, and Chris Whitelock as well, just giving us that freedom to push to a new place, you know, to take music to a new place. Um, I can remember being at National Leaders Conference, and I think, I can't remember who said it, it was an American. Um, oh, what's his name? Anyway, he said part of the calling of the vineyard is to is about worship music, and it's about um, it being culturally fitting into the culture of wherever it finds itself. So those kind of early vineyard records kind of sound west coast. Do you know what I mean? It fitted in that that sort of genre and fitted in the church and somehow you know spread. But that doesn't mean that has to be what you sound like if you're from Birmingham or, you know, the home of Black Sabbath. Um, so, uh, so we sort of, I remember taking that on, you know, as a thing from God saying, you know, how do we pull this into something relevant for the, the people who we know and the people who our churches are trying to reach um, to, to, make the, to make the worship of Jesus accessible to people. And, you know, we took it a certain place. Some of you are going to take it further and into new places, um, which is exciting. At the same time, um, there was this thing happening in Soul Survivor, which we used to go over to every two weeks. And uh, that guy, Matt Redman, was there. We used to sort of rock over there and just encounter God's presence, really. 1994, Toronto blessing, a sense of expectation, sense of the power of God moving, and the, the, that worship movement was really born out of out of that. You know, Martin Smith, cutting edge, all that sort of stuff. So it was an amazing time, but it's a, the, those things. Are steps in a journey, and there, you know, if we believe that God is is continuously advancing His kingdom, then that stuff is great. You know, you got Carl Tuttle, you know, in his kitchen, and then you know it, it's it's moving, it's moving on, it's spreading out to the nations, and it's spread to our nation, and there's more, and. Although we said we're not going to do ministry or stuff like that, the thing in my head is I was um, trying to wash when I was in the, in the toilet there. Um, was, uh, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Do you know that bit in the Bible? Where Elisha, you know, Elijah's gone. And Elisha's there. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And then he has to try out the magic stick, whatever it is. 
Amen. Um, and I think that's probably a good word for Vignon in, in this country, or these countries, in this season. Um, you know, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where, where are these, where is the move of God now, you know? And where is God taking this music? What's God calling us? What are you dreaming? What are you, what's on your heart, you know? What's on your heart? So, um, yeah, and it, I mean, the other guy who's really influential for me is, is Jimmy. Because Jimmy's, which is so exciting, for that he is where he is in this moment. Because Jimmy is someone who will believe in you and give you opportunity. So always in our, in our band that we, we played in, Jimmy would be the one who booked the studio. You know? And you don't finish anything without a deadline, do you? You know? Without an end product in mind. So I think of all the things, you know, in my life, it would be Jimmy's book in the studio. Do you know what I mean? So Jimmy's book in the studio tonight and you get a drink. Buy you a beer. Never want me a bit. Anyway. Uh, Alright. So that's sort of my way of introduction, my way of my journey. Um, uh, began writing worship songs, written lots of bad ones, a couple of good ones, um, really with a, a heart to bring bring those two worlds that I'm involved in together. You know, the world of rock and the world of church. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful thing and it's a thing that I love and I think the thing I wanted to one of the things I wanted to encourage you with was to see uh, songwriting as a place of meeting and a place where you meet Jesus because um, I think sometimes you know how we all have a bit of mixed motives no? Just me. Alright. Or we might have insecurities, you know. So that are kind of you know, what if I could just only write a song? <laughs> you know, maybe I would love myself. Sometimes we we can get ourselves in knots thinking, well, you know, am I trying to write this song just so that, you know, it can be successful or something like that. Um, and what I wanted to, to just say was just to, that you would be free to meet Jesus in the writing of the song um, and to, to encounter him in the writing, you know, to, to not see it as something outside of worship, but as something holistic, you know, like the whole of life. Um, and I have been sort of blessed to have a bit of breakthrough in that over the last few years of just finding a place with Jesus in, in the creativity and, um, and, a, and a place of rest there and sort of sanctuary. So I'd encourage you to, to take that seriously. You know, we, we've, only, we've all got a bit of mixed stuff, you know, we've all got a bit of crap. No trouble. It's not swirled anymore. Thank you, Canada. Um, <laughs> you got filthy mouths over there. Yeah. Um, 
song bursts from the presence, and then, you know, I'm not quite sure how it all happens, but we've seen it again and again. Every move of God's had its songs. Every revival's had its songs, and the songs have carried the revival, and the revival has carried the songs. You know, here is love, vast as the ocean, love and kindness. How rude. That's right. <laughs> the Welsh revival had songs, you know. The Wesleys sung their songs, although apparently they were ripping off the secular songs. But hey, that's right. So songwriting is a means of grace. Don't feel guilty about it. Uh, but do be honest and open about any sort of idolatry in your heart. You know? And that's what we've got each other for as well. Just, yeah. Yeah. Settle in your heart, that's a calling. Uh, and it's part of the heritage is to bring that sort of cultural relevance to, to the wider church as well as to the tribe, as you like to call it. I love my tribe. <laughs> Jesus loves the body of Christ. Okay. So right, right for the church. You know, love the church. Love his bride. Right from the things that God is doing and saying. Right to reflect the vision and the theology of the church and the movement. So that means being wise about how we use the Old Testament Psalms. You know, we don't have to sing about smiting our enemies and stuff like that. It doesn't. Although it's in there, it's a bit weird. <laughs> Wow, so good. Tweet, it's a bit weird. <laughs> hashtag, what? Um, so we, hashtag awkward. So we're looking through, you know, the lens of Jesus, right? And uh, things like the kingdom now or not yet. So we, we want to have this wisdom and it's, it's like pastoral stuff, isn't it? It's knowing that there's one guy there who's you know, grieving this, one another guy's happy because he's just got this awesome job and making loads of money and then there's the, you know, the guy who can't pay for his teeth. And, you know, it's like we, we need to have just that pastoral heart in how we're writing because we're teaching and we're, we're gathering and we're trying to include people. And, and that's what, that is what's amazing about the Psalms because there's generally something in there you can relate to at pretty much any point in your miserable life. <laughs> um, <so. laughs> Be culturally sensitive, uh, pastoral. So that's about singing what you what people need to sing, not just what you want to sing, right? So it's, it's having an understanding of the community that you're in. Obviously harder the bigger the church is to do that. Um, but there are things that affect the whole Church, so it's been writing out of that kind of stuff and those situations that you know about being pastoral, seeing what people need to see, you know, truth about who God is, <coughs> communicating the gospel to people coming in. You know, whatever the emphasis of your church is, if you're like this church that's always getting non Christians coming in, then you're going to have to do something. You know, that's an opportunity there. You could be writing songs to connect with those people. Um, you could be writing around Christmas or Easter or guest services or, you know, there's loads of stuff you can do 
Um, so it's about using your gifts in a way that serves, you're know, using gifts of sunlight in a way that serves the local church, possibly moving, possibly the wider church. You know, um, so one of the great things that Dirksen this is going to get a whack, no. One of the great things that Dirksen said is uh, write what you want to say to God and people will probably want to join in. <laughs> what do you want to sing? What do you want to say? What do you need to say to Jesus? Put that in a song. Write a song. About. Um, so I was uh, looking at um, some, I think it was, uh, wow, on the second page, look at that. I've got to print the same page twice. Psalm 42, someone Google it, thank you, wow. Uh, As the deer pants through the water. And there's this massive, you know, so my soul longs after you. Um, you know something about that, don't you? Um, but there's a massive range of emotions, you know, and it goes into depression and despair, you know. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in him, you know, why so crushed within me? You know, why do my enemies taunt me? I mean, it's really intense and say, where is your God? You know, it's like we are allowed to, um, to go there. Whether we want to every Sunday <laughs> is another thing, but you are allowed to go there. Um, and it's incredibly powerful when you bring that sense of honesty to God. Because often we, we feel we've got to just tie everything up nicely um, and correctly and not ruffle any feathers, but it's okay. Um, it's okay to have questions in songs. It's okay to have doubts in songs. Um, it's great, you know, and, I mean, what is the huge plague in our society at the moment? It's anxiety and depression. Well, one of them, right? Amongst children, amongst, you know. So maybe we need some songs that address that and express what that feels like. Because a lot of us are, you know, a lot of us get depressed, especially as musicians and writers, you know. It's like, you know, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Well, what was Elijah like? He was emotionally. David as well, right? In the same psalm, he's kind of, Gosh, oh yes, I have praise you. I am so desperate. You know, is it, is it okay to confess our sin in the psalm as well? Our moral fail failures? Yeah. I love that Lord have mercy one for the things we've done and left undone. There's a time and a place for different kinds of songs, isn't there? 
So, um, yeah, but what's time? Plenty of time. So that's sort of, um, yeah, some stuff kind of hopefully inspirational, hopefully releasing you. Um, and now I've got a few practical things. So um, I wanted to talk about, um, well, Jimmy asked me to talk about, so I will. Uh, developing a workflow, and that sounds a bit weird, but it's quite important to develop a way of writing songs, like a pathway. And it's, that's going to be different for all of us, but they don't just write themselves, generally, unless you're Paul McCartney and you get a dream. But they don't write themselves. You have to create space. You have to have a workflow. You have to have a way of starting a song. You have to have a way of working on it and a way of finishing it. <laughs> it sounds really obvious, but sometimes we need to, to hear that stuff, you know? It's like, if you want to play guitar well, there's a way of learning that, and you have to do it a lot. And it's the same with songwriting. Sometimes we think songs are just going to land, or they won't, but all of a sudden you're going to get an amazing song. But it is actually a craft that you can learn. My guitar teacher used to say to me, you don't start good and get rubbish. You start rubbish and get good. You know? So just allow, allow yourself to write some bad songs. Okay, I give you, I anoint you, and I release you, and the power of the Holy Spirit to go forth and write some rubbish songs that no one's ever going to sing, apart from you a few times to your mate, and then you won't sing again. Because you look on his face. <laughs> Sounds a bit like Ed Sheeran, though. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, having a workflow. So I just wanted to talk through what I do. Um, and most of the songs I write, they begin in a kind of, just picking up a guitar kind of a way. So that's the most natural way for me. Start with a chord sequence, or maybe I'll be worshipping, you know, because most of the time I'm just worshipping. And uh, I just, you know, maybe I'll be around the house, you know, the kids will be around, playing, doing whatever, there's a guitar there, I'll pick it up, just worshipping. And then maybe I have an idea, and at that point I can, I can think, oh no, it would be really unspiritual if I record this now. Or I could just say, no actually, this is, I'm meeting Jesus in the writing of this song. And just flip my phone on to record, and record a bit of me doing that idea, stop it, name it, leave it, move on. So that's the sort of first step, is just out of a place of worship, out of just sometimes ideas come, spontaneity, or you just think, oh, I want to, I just feel there's something I want to do now, something I want to say, or maybe really on the guitar, well, that's a really cool thing, you know, yeah, I'll try something with that. <coughs> so, little jam session, bit of worship, record it, just to document it a little bit. And then, you know, in another moment, just listen through. I mean, these phones we've got are amazing, what you can do. 
Um, I like the thing where you can speak lyrics in and it types it for you. Because you get some really interesting uh, new lyrics that you didn't say. Um, so listen back and then sift it, sift out the gold. You know, because a lot of, sometimes you think you've had a really great idea, and you listen back and it's like, no, no, no. And then sometimes you think, yeah, that's good. And it's just, it's following what you like and what you sort of sense something of God's like Something that moves you, right? Something that you like. Um, so then what I'll do, once I've sifted a bit of gold out of my many recordings on my phone, is I've got a little space, a little studio space, and I'll go in and I'll find a tempo and a key and I'll just record a rough version of the song with a microphone onto the computer. And then I'll go over and I'll put down the music part and put down a few guitars, make it interesting. And then when I've got it like that, I'll sort of mute the, the guide track so I've just got the guitars and I'll just sit in front of the microphone and I'll just sing whatever comes. And I'll record it three times, four times. Just singing whatever. Not even words. Not even English. Just singing whatever comes out. And it's it's a weird thing to do, but for me it's like it's kind of like a flow of a flow of consciousness. You know like when there's worship times when you everyone starts singing in tongues or singing out and there's a single spirit now, Kondama Shinda. Yeah. And people start to sort of flow. Michael watching. Um start to just flow, you know, until worship. And just to, to not, not be thinking about words, but just letting that happen. It's amazing what new things come. And then I'll listen back to what the strange language I've been singing in. And I'll just jot down what the words are. And I was I've always done it kind of this way, um, but in the band it would be in rehearsals, you know, you just write a song, you sing out weird things and then listen back and then jot down what on earth you were talking about. And it's just a weird process, but it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like getting in a river and allowing the river to, to take you wherever it wants to go. So it's, it's kind of that, um, openness to allowing creativity to flow through you without thinking too much about the end product. Because you start thinking too much about the end. If I start thinking too soon about that, I'll miss out on that sort of thing. So then I'll start writing the lyrics down. So that's the next bit of my workflow. Uh, and then I'll I'll re-record re it with the new lyrics and, and start to hone the lyrics and start to go back in, what's this song really about? You know, just go, go back and start to put it into some kind of form. And then I'll probably re-record it as a kind of rubbish demo, <laughs> um, but almost a finished song. And then at that point, I will mix that song down and have the lyrics somewhere and probably upload them to like box, whatever, Dropbox or Box.net. And it's kind of there. And um, filed, you know. 
and either it's finished, you know, I'll come back to it, either it's finished, sometimes it will never see the light of day, and other times it might be, I might give it to someone to co-write, if, if I think there's something there, but it just, I'm just done with it, then I'll give it to someone else, and they'll say, not feeling it, or, yeah, awesome, feeling it, and it will get a new burst of, of energy. So, Paul Balosh talks about uh, this idea of like a greenhouse, and you, you, know, you scatter your seed, uh, and then whatever grows, you stick it in the greenhouse, every now and again you go and you water it, and you see what's growing. And then you know, bring it out, maybe you'll plant it and it will, you know, birds and fields will make their nest in it. Um, but, you know, not every plant will, will make it into the, out of the garden, right? Some of them will just, they'll just sort of wither, <laughs> or you'll just pluck them out, whatever. So it's kind of going back, you know. Um, so you've got to decide what to do with it. You've got to decide if you're going to try and sing it in church, right? So it's always a, you know, always a bit of a struggle, isn't it? Do I, do I sing my own song that nobody knows, or do I just sing the latest Hill song that everybody loves? You know, do I, and it's better. That's how we think, isn't it? Well, these songs are just better than mine. So I'll just sing these ones. Um, so you've got to finish it. You've got to finish the song. And maybe you finish it and nothing happens with it. And that's fine. That has to be fine. Because that's the reality for most of the songs that we write. You know? But it's really important to write them. It's really important to write them. Um, and you know there's a thing of like, Jesus loves... Uh, or like when your kid draws that first picture for you. And it just looks rubbish to anybody else but the father, you know, me, I'm like, that's amazing, you made that for me, oh God, look what he made for me, and it's like, squiggle, a bit of paper, and it, you know, that's alright, isn't it, it's okay to write a rubbish song for Jesus, but not everyone's going to get it, and we've got to be okay with that, right, it's still important, but it's not necessarily one for the garden. So, yes. Um, so kind of coming to, coming to an end of all I know about songwriting. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some people who know how to finish songs. And they're like finishers, you know. And um, we're probably going to touch on this a bit later, but, you know, there's... There's some people who write really great bridges, you know, and they can hear a song and go, I think this song needs this, and then it'll be finished. And most people are really good. If you're good at, if you get a lot of energy at the beginning of something, but not very good at finishing it, it's good to have a finisher <coughs> in your team who can go through the lyrics, um, finish it. So it's good to have goals, it's good to have deadlines, you know, albums <laughs> having to be finished. If we can set projects, you know, maybe do an EP in the church, say, by this date I'm going to have 
these three track EP done. It's going to sell millions and billions and billions. But have those little goals, you know, or Easter's coming, I'm going to write something about the cross for an Easter service. You know, like, have these moments uh, where you can focus and give yourself time. I remember with uh, another Dirksen thing, so um, I forgot to mention Brenton, because he he's been a huge influence on probably so many of us as songwriters. Um, but I remember him, him and Jude, they moved into a flat in London, and there was a few rooms there, and uh, Jude was kind of talking to, is it jo Joy, Brian's wife? Joyce. Joyce. Saying like, oh yeah, Brenton wants the big room for his songwriting room, but you know, I want that as a spare room so we can have guests. And she just said, give him the big room. <laughs> give him the big room for the songwriting. Mm. You know? Okay. <laughs> you know, you're the boss. Um, but there's something about that, creating space, you know? And, and you know, obviously, in a relationship and work your stuff out. But, um, you know, having, having a place you can go to, to write, to finish, to, you know, to, to get stuff done, to go to work, to go to work. Um, you know, what can be some blockages? Uh, perfectionism, it has to be perfect. Um, you know, it's both a strength and a weakness, right? With all that sort of stuff. You can be too sloppy and just, yeah, it's finished, you know, I'm done, it's finished, put it out there, and it's not good enough. Do you know what I mean? It's not as good as it could be with a bit more, just getting more input, being open to someone coming alongside and saying, have you thought about this? What about this? You know, we, we can't be too precious about these things because they're not actually our own songs, they, they're not for us, they're, they're for his church and they're for him, but they are, you know, if we want them to be used, we've got to be open to, and just teachable, right, just being, yeah, I don't know it all, maybe that song could be better in a certain way, and at the same time, you've got to maintain your integrity of like, this is what I love. You don't want someone coming in and, and, and then you're hating the song. So you've got to work. There's no right and wrong with all this, but I think it's just stuff that I've, I can look back on times when I was too precious about something. And, and then it, I look back and think, why was I so, you know, it's not actually a baby. Do you know what I mean? It is just a song. So, you can release it, it won't die, you know, it, and it feels like it's part of you, but it's not actually, um, it's a song. And they're really, they're really gifts, aren't they, songs? They're really gifts to us. We get to be involved in the hearing of it and the birthing of it, but they kind of come from somewhere else. Um, and I think most amazing songwriters will tell you that, that they come, that they hear them. They hear melodies driving along. <laughs> What's the one? Not now, God. <laughs> you know, I'm driving. Um, 
Yeah. So be careful of perfectionism, but also let's not be sloppy. Let's finish stuff well. Let's release it when it's finished, but let's finish it. Do you know what I mean? Because they're both, probably some of us are good finishers, some of us aren't. Some of us get a lot of energy at the beginning of projects and then fade off. Others are good at coming in and wrapping stuff up. Um, we, we need teamwork. We need people who are good. We need people like Jimmy, you know, who can put the bones there so that, you know, the thing can have a structure and fly. Um, yeah. So, a uh, couple more things just on songwriting. I think um, be gracious in it. Write with people who you have a relationship with, you know, there's chemistry, people that's fun to write with. Um, be generous in it, don't get like caught up on percentages. There's no money in it anymore anyway, so fish don't notice. But just be open, do you know what I mean? Don't don't hold the things too tightly because there is more there's more songs coming. You know, finish that one, there's another one coming. I think it's a bit like as we hold too tightly to stuff, we we stop the the flow somehow. Um yeah, I, I wrote a song with Brenton and we just, we wrote four, I think four songs together and just at the front we just said, oh, 50-50 all the way, whatever anyone writes, you know. And then um, I wrote a new bit to one of the songs and emailed and said, okay, 60-40 <laughs> to you, you know. And I think it's just like, he didn't need to do that. Do you know what I mean? But you can just be cool about these things. Right? Generous. So then I said, no. 60-40 to you. Um, yeah. So not, not every song, you know, there's different places songs can go. There's a song for when you're doing the washing up. There's a song for, you know, playing the open mind, there's, a, there's different kinds of songs. There's a song you sing for your kids about octopuses and squids, you know, and there's all kinds of songs. And some of those songs are, are for the church. Do you know what I mean? Like in this special way. And it is just a, it's a massive privilege to get to be involved in it. And uh, I hope that you'll be encouraged and that sort of coming out of this you can dare to dream and dare to believe for something amazing you know you can't control where they go do you know what I mean but you can you can do your bit and see what what God does with the rest alright bang on